the church on the rock? Yeah, I got to get it in because I leave in, a, in six days, so I, I need you to be loud when I ask that. My name is Rashad. I'm one of the pastors here at Church on the Rock, and um, we do the Good Morning Church on the Rock. Good morning, Rashad, to make sure you're here and you're with us. <gasps> hold on, 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 hold on. I forgot something. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good morning, Church on the Rock. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, and I'm a 49ers fan, so I had to go grab my, uh, my mama bought this for me, all right? Come on now. <laughs> all right, so hey, look, we are um, finishing up our abandoned series. It has been, it's been a remarkable start to the year. Um, most churches and pastors would not start the year off at Romans 1, 18 through 32, because it challenges us, it pushes us into places where we're very uncomfortable. Uh, you start to find out which, who you thought God was is not exactly who he is. You start to adjust um, your, your theology about um, who the God of the Bible is versus who your God is. And so when you're saying, what a wonderful name it is, and you're saying the name of Jesus is so wonderful. When you start reading Romans 1, 18 through 32, you start, you start seeing that wonderful name and his standards and his commandments and his rules. And, and some of us, we, we only say that Jesus is a wonderful name when everything is going right and uh, when it doesn't interfere with our feelings and when it doesn't interfere with uh, the way we see the world through our eyes or how the culture's influenced us. But when you start picking apart the Bible and you, you make that commitment to make the Jesus of the Bible, the God of the Bible, your Jesus, uh, Romans 1, 18 through 32 will, will expose you in many, many ways. And so today's sermon, it, it shouldn't be too long. We're really recapping what we've been saying and adding just a, a couple more things to it. But what I want you to grasp is this. The name of the series was Abandoned because um, we as a society, we as human beings have abandoned the truth of God for lies that we've created. Um, I, I posted on Facebook a, a post that said, my God is awesome with a question mark. And then, and then explained how the awesome God that we say is awesome is not normally the same God we read about in the Bible because we have made God who we want him to be and not just accepted who he is and said he's still awesome because he, he is the definition of awesome. Whether you agree with him or not, he's still awesome, right? And so, um, and so this, is, this has been a, just an eye-opening series. And I, I, just to see like this many people here this morning, I just want to say thank you um, for continuing to come. I, there's been some tough conversations over the last three weeks. I've met with a lot of you one-on-one -on -one as you've been, your eyes have been open to things that have never been preached on a Sunday morning before and never been preached in the way that we're preaching it. So just thank you for persevering and seeing that this is just the truth of God. And we open these things up here at Church on the Rock because we believe the Bible is the word of God and it's truth. Amen? Amen. So let's get into it. Romans 1, 28 through 32. All right. So um, Paul, and we're going to give context here in a second, but he's continuing on and basically showing that all 
of humanity uh, is guilty. And he's walking through these steps to show us this. And so he says, and just as they, humanity, did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. He goes on and he says, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, kids, uh, <laughs> uh, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And he says, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they also, or, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. That is the text that we're going to be in for this morning. Uh, That's the text we're going to be pulling apart. This is going to be the conclusion of this series. And so um, some of you who were very upset last week uh, because of the homosexuality topic, and then you, but you stuck it out and you saw how we were going to lead to something that's going to show it's about so much more than just the sin of homosexuality. That's what this week is going to do. This week is going to probably catch anybody else. It should catch everybody else in this room and bring us to a place of brokenness. And so uh, going back to the, to the scripture now, next slide. It says, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. Now, the theme of Romans 1, 18 through 32, has been about exchanging something of God, some truth of God, giving it away uh, for something else that you've put in yourself. So right here, the, the phrase, they did not see fit, it's, them, it's, it's us as human beings taking the knowledge of God and running it through a test by our standards, okay? So God... You, you read his word or you look at creation or whatever, and, and you take the knowledge that God has revealed to you and you test it by your standards. And after you get done testing it by your standards, you come out on the other, you come out on the other side saying it's, it has no value or it's not fit or it's failed the test. And so this word here is a, is a word of failure. It's like I've tested the truth of God. I've taken it through my standards. And when I come out on the other side, I've, I've considered that it's not worth holding on to. It's not worth keeping. In the Greek there, it literally says they, they, they saw it not fit to keep God in their knowledge or keep God in their mind. So they tested all the truths of God by their standards and said, you know what, this This doesn't add up to what I believe. This doesn't add up to what the culture has told me. This doesn't add up to my loved one and their lifestyle. This doesn't add up to the lifestyle I want to live. This doesn't add up to the way I've been hurt by my loved one or a friend, and therefore I want to hurt them back. I know God said pray for my enemies, but that doesn't match what I want to do to my enemies. So I consider the truth of God worthless, and I want to give it up. I don't want to keep the truth where God says love your enemies. I don't want to hold on to that. I want to get rid of that because I, like the world and myself says an eye for an eye. So I want to get that person back. Does that make sense? That's what this is saying, that they did not see fit anymore or that it was worthless to hold on to the knowledge and the truth that God has revealed. 
And so this is the context of what we've read up so far. Let's just go look back real quick. In Romans 1.18, it says that, we, that God revealed his wrath from heaven against all ungodliness. So that's us against God. And then against all unrighteousness. The word unrighteous means no justice. So what God determines to be right, you are against what God has determined to be right. So uh, he's revealed himself, excuse me, revealed, uh, ra- uh, revealed the wrath of God towards all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who do what? Who suppress the truth. So they take that truth of God and they try to hold it underwater like, like, a, like a beach ball that you're trying to suppress underneath the water and it's, it's trying to pop out. It's the same thing right here. So there's, there's one example of that. The next example we saw in the first week was that they did not honor him as God or give thanks. So God shows himself in creation. If you woke up this morning, take a deep breath. Everybody take a deep breath. Now exhale. Y'all was holding kind of long, right? Like, oh, you're gonna... Take a deep breath. Exhale. That right there is God. You see that? That's God. The fact that you can do that, that is God. The fact that you're awake right now, that is God. Your alarm clock did not wake you up this morning. God woke you up this morning. And yet, we will praise the alarm clock instead of God. Oh, thank you, alarm clock. Oh, grateful alarm clock. Oh, holy alarm clock for waking me up and giving me a name. You know, I'm being a little funny, right? But that's what we do. We look at things that are in the world, and we praise everything but God. We give everything else thanks and glory except for God. We exchange the truth that we have all things because of God for the lie that we earned it ourselves or that, you know, our children deserve it or that, you know, I deserve. And whenever you get into the eyes and the mys and the me's, you get into a place where you exchange God, who deserves all the glory and everything for him, and put yourself there, Okay. So, so you, you, you're not holding on to the knowledge of what he's revealed to you. You're not holding on to it. You're willing to give it up for something else. Another thing we saw was uh, that we've exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, crawling creatures. People worship dogs. They worship their pets, right? Like pets are awesome, but they are a gift from God for, you know, you can look to it to have a, a man's best friend, comfort, and all that, but it's not your God, and we will go to extremes to take care of our pets before we'll take care of a human being. This is, this is you know, you've got to wrestle with that. And then uh, we uh, go to the next one. Last week we saw that we have exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And this is where we got into the homosexuality of how we've exchanged the truth of God, um, where it talked about the natural function of man, Man with woman, not woman with woman, not man with man, but how because we've exchanged that truth, we now burn with unnatural functions for one another. And that was just, I told you last week, that's just one symptom. And, and people tend to run to Romans 1 to just make this battle cry just against homosexuality. Where today, if that's who you are, if you're the person here that all you want to be loud about when it comes to sin is homosexuality, you're about to get blown away. Because we're going to show how... Um, for as angry as you are with homosexuality, you should be just as angry about all these other sins because they come from the same sickness of exchanging the truth of God for a lie. And so this is what happens. Uh, they exchange the truth of God for a lie. Write that down somewhere because this, this becomes the problem for everything that we're going to talk about and everything we've been talking about for the entire week. Exchanging the truth of God for a lie. So next slide, Sean. 
Here's the first point. The sickness is the core of abandoning God. The sickness is the core of abandoning God. So when we're looking at this, when you get to Romans 1.28, because they did not see fit, because they determined that it was not worth holding on to the truth of God, holding on to how he's revealed himself and the things that the Bible says, because they didn't want to hold on to that, God delivered them or gave them over to an unqualified mind. So Paul's playing with words here. He's saying, because you looked at God and saw what he revealed to you and determined that it wasn't qualified for you or that, you didn't, that, that it didn't pass your test of what you wanted to hold on to, then he gave you over to a mind that wasn't qualified by his standards. You see that? He's playing with words. He says, because you didn't want to hold on and say that what he has is of any worth, what he's revealed to you is of, of, of any worth, God has given you over to a mind that has no worth by his standards. By your standards, what God has given is not of any worth. And we prove this every Sunday. Every Sunday, we come in here, we hear a sermon, we hear a message, amen, hallelujah, convicted. And by Wednesday, you've determined it's of no worth. Because when the test comes to press you and ask you what you learned on Sunday from whoever's preaching or from whatever God has revealed to you, and and now here comes an obstacle on Wednesday to test you, that's when you determine if it was of worth. That's when you determine, okay, I learned this, I learned this on Sunday, and now it's Wednesday, and here's my opportunity to show that I'm going to hold on to what's been revealed to me instead of exchange it for whatever I'm feeling in the moment. You see that? And so you take what you claim on Sunday with your amens and your hallelujahs and that's a good sermon, pastor. You take that and show that you really don't mean it when you don't live it out. That's that's what you're doing. Because amen means surely or let it be or so it be or I agree. So you're agreeing with me in lips, but your life is saying what he said was worthless. It was worthless because now that I'm, I'm having to live out the truth of God, well, well, I know God said don't do this, but right now, because of my situation, because of my circumstances, because of the people around me, because of what the world has told me, I'm going to exchange what God has said. That's of no worth. And I'm going to take up what everybody else or myself or my flesh or whoever has said. And this is what he's talking about. So God gives you over to a worthless mind. That is the core problem with all of humanity. You've exchanged his truth for your lies, for the world's lies. And every, that's the sickness. You know how when you cough, when you sneeze, that's just a symptom of of a sickness that's inside of you? Well, homosexuality is just a symptom, one symptom of many symptoms that we're going to look at today. So if you just want to look at one symptom, then you're probably ignoring the symptoms that you have. And that's what the problem is with the church. When we should be doing everything we can to share the gospel, speak on salvation, and surrender in obedience so that we can all be healed, made clean, rid of the filth, right? And so being given over to a depraved mind, um, that's the sickness. you've, You've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. You said, hey, your truth is worthless. And now God says, well, then I'll give you over to your worthless mind. And that leads us to our next point. 
The symptoms are the consequences of abandoning God. So the sickness is the core. That's what's going on inside. And remember, sin starts with the mind long before it goes to the actions. Long before you do the sin, your mind is actually what's been conquered. You see that? Because it's the truth of God that you're, that you're exchanging that leads to the actions. Belief births behavior. What you believe you're going to show us in your behavior. You're gonna, if you say, oh, God's truth is this and this, and, and then you hear something and something's revealed to you on Sunday, how you behave on Wednesday is going to tell us if it really was of any worth to you. So that's why we said last year, belief births behavior. The symptoms are the consequences of abandoning God. And that's when we get into the next part of the scripture. It says, and just as they did not receive, as just, as just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Now, this is important. The not proper, these are the things that are not fit, the things that are not right by God's standards. See, people will read this by their standards, and they'll, get, they'll start reading all the symptoms and say, well, that's not so bad. Well, it's not so bad by your standards. But all of this is not about you. <laughs> it's, it's about God's standards. And that's where we fail because we go, well, why does it? It's not fair that it's God's standards. I'm the one living this life. My world revolves around me, and you're me-centric. Your theology is meology, Right? It's all about the study of you instead of the study of God. All you're concerned about is how you feel, how everything affects you instead of what it looks like to God. And, 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 and why does that matter? Because if you're claiming to be a Christian, if you're professing Jesus as Lord, you're, you're moving from meology to theology. You're moving from everything about me to everything for him. That's, the, that's why we say take up your cross. That's why we say die to yourself. That's why we say a debtor you is a better you. We don't need you 2.0. We need you no 0.0, <laughs> right? We need you gone so that Christ may shine through you. So it's not about you. It's about him. So this, this, these things we're about to list, these symptoms we're about to show, he gave you over to do the things which are not proper by his standards. When, you're re when we're reading through these, and I'm just going to touch on a few of them, you may say that's not so bad. To who? It's not bad to who? I'll, I'll be crying too. I mean, yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> I'll be crying too. Yeah, I just, we should cry about this. So Romans 129, let's, let's get into some of these symptoms. It says being filled with. The being filled means it's, this has happened since the beginning, like in the past. It's, it's going to happen in the future, and it's happening right now. It is a constant thing that he's talking about in the Greek here. Being filled with all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness, once again, no justice. So what God says is the right way to treat people, you're doing the opposite of what God says when it comes to treating, treating people right. So you may feel an eye for an eye is okay because everybody says, you know, if somebody hit me, I'm going to hit them back. Somebody do this, I'm going to do it back. But that's your standards. That's the world's standards. I don't care if everybody else around you is doing it. You got to go by God's standards, who says, love your enemy, right? Pray for your enemy, Love your wife. Stick it out. I know everybody else is getting a divorce. You stick your marriage out. Like these are things that, that that's unrighteous because you're treating somebody opposite of how God wants you to treat them. So unrighteousness, uh, wickedness. I, I got some dictionary things here I'm going to look at. Help me out with some of these. So wickedness is moral worthlessness. 
It's, 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 the, it's by God's standards, everything in your morality is just worthless. It's, it's no good. It's, it's useless. It's a person who actually pursues others to injure them and to seduce them and to use them. That's wickedness. Uh, the next one is greed. Greed is, I mean, some of these are self-explanatory, but to want and lust for more than, than what's for you. It's to go out of the boundaries of what you need, of what's sufficient, of what God has provided, and, and do all and anything to have more. So God has given you this, and you're not content with that. You're going to go against what God has for you to get more by your standards. Let me give you an example how I, I want to make these real simple and just show you some everyday practical things. So like um, some of us are workaholics, and we're workaholics because we want more. And so where God says things like, take a Sabbath, right? Rest. You're like, I can't rest. I got to do 80, 90, 100 hours. Why? Because I'm trying to hold on to, I, I want more. I, I mean, I got a house, but I want a bigger house. I got a car. I want more cars. I got money. I want more money. And, and, and it's, it's when you exchange what God has said for you to acquire what you want. You, you see how quickly you exchange yeah, I know I should rest, but I don't need rest. I need more money. And, and it seems innocent. Why? Because the world says it's good that you're providing for your family and doing more and all that. But then you're, but then you're sitting down with me because your wife's ready to leave or your husband's ready to leave because they don't never see you because you won't take time out for the family. You won't take time out for yourself or, or you're sitting in a hospital bed because, because God made the Sabbath for you, Right? And you, you won't take that because forget his truth. I'm going to insert my truth. I need more money. I need more things. You're right? And we, and we work so, it's, it's funny how we work so hard for a vacation. Right? Like that, <laughs> let, let, me, let me put in all these hours so I can, so I can rest. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? And so um, this is why uh, here at Church on the Rock, if, you, if you're like new to the church, I take breaks, and I know people be like, well, my pastor never took a break. Okay. Um, I take breaks, you know, and, and they got that saying where they're like, well, the, the devil doesn't take breaks. Well, I'm not trying to be like the devil, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm trying to be like Jesus. Jesus rested, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and so uh, there was times when um, I'll be away, and you'll be like, man, he takes quite a few breaks compared to what I'm used to. I preach 40 to 43 times a year here, but I take breaks so that four or five years from now, I'm not taking a one-year sabbatical because I've been working so hard for five years, you know? Uh, but these are, these are, this is what we do. If I exchange the truth for a lie, let me, tell you, let me show you how that works for a pastor. I'm the only one that can preach at church on the rock. If I'm not preaching, the people ain't going to come. If the people don't come, the church going to get closed down, so I can't take a break. That's a lie. So you really think, Rashad, it's your sermons that they, that, that's bringing them through the door? <laughs> You ain't that nice, bro. You're like, if, if I decide to shut down Church on the Rock, these doors won't open. You think toilets is your biggest problem, right? But that's what happens with pastors. They get so 
oh, man, people telling me I'm good. People telling me I can preach. People telling me, they'll tell you, I'm here because you're the preacher. And you start believing that stuff. Like, we call them, we call them professional pride planters, right? Like, they're planting pride. They don't even realize it. And you start believing that. So you exchange what God has said of just being faithful to the word. And you say, I'll never preach on homosexuality. I'll never preach on disobedient kids. I'll never preach on uh, murder, abortion. I'll never preach on any of these topics because people are going to leave. And God's like, I'm the reason they're there. The moment you thought it was you, you've exchanged the truth for a lie. You, sir, have an idol in your life, and it's you. So I take breaks. Um, next up, evil, right? Evil. Is it evil? Yep, yep. Greed, evil. Let me see. Greed, evil. Okay. So evil's mean-spirited. Even if it's not displayed, it's there. Evil doesn't always show itself. So this is one where you got to kind of look at yourself because you know how... you. I mean, I'm sure everybody here has done it at some point where you're, you're saying, mm-hmm, and in your mind you're thinking the most mean, nasty things to the person that you're looking at or you're talking to, but inside is just evil, right? Yep, yep, we all do that. Sometimes we can't hold it back and we show it on our face. We know what we call that, right? And then um, envy, uh, full of envy. So, like, completely, if you're not full of God, you're full of envy. Envy is not just wanting what somebody else wants or what somebody else has, but it's also celebrating when they're doing bad. Like, think about that. It's, it's not just saying, oh, you have this, Brad, you have this, so I want that too. And, oh, I wish I had, I wish, man. It's also saying, oh, you ain't doing too good. Yeah, look at him. I told him. I tried to tell him. You, you, I mean, we do that, right? So you tell somebody, hey, you shouldn't go do that. Hey, Dave, 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 look at me, look at me. You shouldn't be Working on a barber school. Yeah, I called you up because I caught you talking. Now what? No. <laughs> Don't talk during my sermon. No, I'm just you shouldn't be, like, I, I, I gave Dave advice. Don't start a barber school. I didn't say that, but I'm just giving an example. And then say, the, the, say for whatever reason, the school fails. And I'm like, see, told him. It's like you're celebrating that you were right, that what he went after wasn't good. And we do, do we not do that? That's the biblical definition here, that's envy. That's envy as well, that you want somebody to fail. You want your brother or your sister in Christ to come up short. I told them don't plant a church. You don't want the church to be successful? Why? Why? I, yeah, that pastor, see, I knew something was wrong with him. Why are you celebrating when other pastors fall or other Christians fall? Why? Why? Well, that's, that's one of the symptoms when you exchange the truth of God for a lie. Uh, murder. And uh, most people are like, oh, that's not a big one. I know not to murder. But remember, the Bible says, even when you are angry with your brother, this is what Jesus said, not me. Jesus told him a little bit deeper. It's like, it's not just the action of murder. Even when you are angry with your brother, it's the same as murder. Just like lust is the same as adultery. Jesus is showing you, uh, this, uh, all that should happen when we're done with all this is you should realize you're not clean. All that finger pointing that you were doing last week, I'm going to get you this week. I'm going to get you this week. Some, you, everybody going to get God this week, right? And so murder's also, murder's also abortion. Like, I know nobody wants to talk about that. Abortion is murder. I don't care what the state says or which trimester the, the world says. The Bible says that God fearfully and wonderfully made you in the womb. So if, if God fearfully and wonderfully makes the baby in the womb, man cannot say it's okay to kill that. 
Now, I know immediately this is what we do. We jump into our circumstances. Well, what about this and what about that? And I'm not being insensitive to any of that. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, that babies are fearfully and wonderfully made, all of them, all of them. And that's, and that's very tough. That's very hard to swallow. I understand that. But you just told me what a wonderful name it is. And this is the word of that wonderful name. This is where you got to start asking yourself, is it his truth or is it your feelings? This is where it gets thick. That's murder. And when you exchange the truth that God has fearfully and wonderfully made every single child, then you'll, you'll, you'll call it, well, it's only in the first trimester, or it's only this, or it's only that, or technically by, or because of this situation. Or, and so you become your God. And, and I know it's tough, and I know it's, it's heavy, but that's what it is. Strife. Now, strife is, is in, in the Greek, this is always looking to argue. Now, this, to me, is one that catches so many Christians. Because this is what, this is what, this is what Christians do. They want to argue everything. They don't want to reason and sit down and have a loving conversation. They want to argue I don't care if it's doctrine. I don't care if it's what sin is. What they just looking to argue. It's looking to quarrel. I'm not talking about just having a healthy. De- Man, me and Clinton was out yesterday. Like we were debating scripture while eating sushi, <laughs> right? And he and he paid for it. So like we're not. I'm not trying to argue with him. You know we're having a good meal and all that. But but what what does it look like when somebody posts something on Facebook and you hop on there? trying to attack and go against them and you're, why are you, there's so many people who are always looking to say something slick on somebody else's post. What do you, why? Like, what do you get out of that? But this is what happens when you feel you have to prove or that it's going to be your instruction that changes. I'm telling you what, man, the more and more you understand the truth of the Holy Spirit and that it's the Holy Spirit that teaches, I could scream at you all day long. And if, if God don't intervene and do something, you're not going to hear nothing. So why, so why do you look to quarrel with people? Why do you look to battle on every theological topic and sit down? That's my brother in Christ. Let's discuss this. Yes, I, my voice raises and all that. I'm just enthusiastic, but I'm not mad and ready to fight somebody. There's people who have thrown fists over, over doctrine. I, <laughs> So uh, a, a readiness to always dispute, always looking to point something out in somebody, always looking to call somebody out on some. That's, man, that's all throughout the church. This is a symptom of exchanging the truth of God for a lie. Sometimes it's, it's you thinking you have to protect God. It's you thinking if I don't stand up and protect God, he can't protect himself. But there, there's scriptures of like when, when God says, hey, you ain't got to protect me, and then you touch something, that's, and then what? You didn't have to touch that. You didn't have to keep that up. I got this, right? But let me, let me show you how else that, 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 like, that breaks down. And when we get here at church, and we're, we got to do gimmicks to grow the church because God needs us. And so we got to, whatever gimmick is working across the world, let's do that same gimmick to get more people in here because God needs us to do something. That's exchanging the truth of God for a lie. We can't just preach the word. We got to, all right, next up, bless you. Next up, deceit. 
taking advantage through craft and, and underhanded methods. It's wiggling, wiggling your way into somebody's life. It's, it's, people do this when they're um, needing support from the church. They, they will tell you they need more than what they really need, or they'll come up with some false reason, or, or they'll say, like, this deceit also works, like, on your taxes, claiming kids that ain't yours. I mean, like, that's, that's deceit. That's what deceit is. It's, it's doing things to wiggle to get an advantage, and we do it. It's cheating on your tests, students. Like, these are, these are symptoms of exchanging the truth of God for a lie. So you're like, oh, I just added a kid on my taxes because, I mean, technically I was watching them after school. If it's against the law, that's deceitful. Stop. Stop. And um, if, you, like, like, if you have people that you know will help you, but you just don't like them, and so you tell the church to help you in place of them, and you're, like, wiggling your way. Like, these things happen. I deal with these things. People will call and, and wiggle their way into trying to get money out the church, inside and outside, right? So, like, that is deceptive. It's deceitful. Uh, malice is being mean-spirited. It says that there are gossips. Gossips are those who destroy somebody's character behind the scenes, whether it's true or not, catch that part. In the Greek, when you're talking about somebody behind their back, in a corner is what it says, like when you're in a corner talking to somebody about them, even if it's true, that's gossip. So when you run in your mouth about another church member, when you run in your mouth about somebody in the world, and, and, the, and our, favorite, our favorite term is, um, well, you know, I'm... I'm I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, just, just from an accountability standpoint. Or you throw whatever church language you want in there, bless their heart, right? But bless their heart is really your way of saying, I just said something really bad about them, but I didn't mean it that way. Like, right? Like, you're gossiping. You're, you're destroying it, because now, whatever you've told me, now I'm looking at them sideways because of what you told me. That's gossip, and it's behind the scenes. Now, slander, just like gossip, go to the next uh, slide, it's just like gossip, but it's out loud. That's, that's the bold, folks. Like, I don't care. And, and Facebook is the worst. People get on Facebook, and they like, well, they're blocked. I've unfriended them, so I can say whatever I want to about them. And then, and then you call them out, you're like, hey, that's, that's called slander. They're like, well, no, 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 I was on Facebook. I didn't say it to nobody. I just posted it on my page. That's slander. That, that is, that's slander, right? And, and remember this. In your, your passive-aggressive subliminals, God knows who you're talking about. So when you get on and you're like, I ain't going to say no names, but God knows that name. <laughs> this is wrong, right? Here's another symptom. Has, has anybody been caught yet? Anybody? Oh, we got a whole bunch of... Have I talked about anybody yet? No, no? Oh, some of y'all got your hands. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> Haters of God. Haters of God. Literally, you loathe anything about God. There's not much more to it. You just, you, you hate God. Um... Insolent. This is someone damaging others by lashing out in a nasty spirit. Uh, this sin is the spirit that hurts and harms others to get, to get what they want. Even if it's to get a point across. I will hurt you 
I'm just speaking truth, brother. In what way? To hurt you? To be condescending? To, to, to bring you down? Like, that's what this word means. It goes on. Arrogant. This is trying to overshine. This is, this is making, this is back to that place where you're like, I'm, I'm this because of me. It's, it's an overshine. The, the word literally means overshine, trying to be more than God directs, going beyond the faith he imparts to lift your head above somebody else. Right? Last week, some of us were arrogant. We were looking down on those who were struggling with homosexuality, putting ourselves above what we think is, lesser, is less than us. Arrogance. I'm, look at me. It's, it's the Pharisee in the temple that looks at the publican and says, thank God I'm not like this sinner. And actually tries to praise God saying, I'm, I, praise God, I'm not like Clinton. I, I wish I was more like you, bro. Like, <laughs> don't take that the wrong way. Uh, boastful. He's boasting in what he has or what he has done. And, and here's the thing about both. So you're boasting in what you've done, Right. It's me boasting about the sermon, boasting about the growth of the church. Yeah, man, I grew that church from 30 to 300 in three years. I did it. Right? And most of y'all here like, we don't like you, bro. It's not you. <laughs> right? Ah, stop it. <laughs> I always set myself up with him. I got to make sure when he's there, I'm just going to zip it. But there's also boasting in things that aren't even true. So you're, you're like, Man, I got this mansion at the crib, man. At mansion at the crib, that don't even work. I got a mansion, right? I got a nice, like you're, you're boasting about things that anybody will believe. Um, when, I was, when I wasn't a Christian, I, I went to Vegas. And in Vegas, you can be whoever you want to be because nobody knows who anybody is. And when you live in Vegas um, and have a Vegas ID, the clubs that are like, the lines go back forever, uh, if you know somebody, well, first you get in free because of your ID, but if you know somebody, you can go from the back of the line to the front of the line. And so uh, when me and my cousin were in Vegas, I would, he, I would say I was a you know, rapper about to explode and whatever, and he was my manager. And if we was in the back of the line, we could grab anybody and say, man, come on, follow us. And we're like, like we run the place and we walk in and it, it was horrible. But I was boasting in something that wasn't even true. And you got... You, you understand what I'm saying? I, I don't know why I told that whole story, but you get what I'm saying, right? You get what I'm trying to say. Like, it, even, even if you're bragging on something that's not real, that's not true, that is boasting. Um, inventors of evil is just literally thinking of new and improved ways to do evil. Disobedient to parents. Um, this is not just for the kids, but it's for the kids also. So starting with the kids, um, Remember, these are symptoms of a sickness. There's kids in the church who I'll say, hey, don't blah, 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 blah. And they say, you ain't my daddy, right? And then I'll go get their daddy, and their daddy say it, and they still don't do it, <laughs> right? They're, and, we, and what do we say? They're just kids. They're just kids. It's, no, that's a symptom of sickness. So, so. So for those of you last week who was riding around and, yeah, get them shot, you got bad kids? Because they got the same sickness as the one that you're, that you're so pointing your finger at last week. Do you see that? Do you see how that works? Last week, you're, mm, mm, mm. this week, I'm saying, well, even your bad kids got the same sickness as the one you're, mm, mm, mm. uh-oh, uh-oh, we got a problem. 
And that's the whole point. We got a problem, right? But it's also um, adult children. You see, uh, give, me, dude, give me the next slide here. I want you to just, just look at this to see, like, culturally what they had in mind. In Deuteronomy, the second law, if any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father and his mother, and when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them. Keep going. It says, then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gateway of his hometown. Then it goes, come on, keep going. It says, they shall say to the elders of his city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. So that means he's probably not four. This ain't the terrible twos. I don't see a two-year-old like, hey, dad, like, it don't work like that. This is, a, this, is a, this is an older child, okay? He's a glutton and a drunkard. And then all the men of his city, after, you know, looking and, and validating that, shall stone him to death. What? You, you see this? And, and once again, Old Testament separating God's people from everybody around them. That's the context of this. But let's jump into the New Testament. And, and you're just seeing that from the beginning until the end, this is a result of disobeying God. Now, here's the thing. In the Bible, you never see them have to live this out. I wonder why. <laughs> right? Like, you see how quick, like, man, mom and daddy believe that, like, if we act up, we dead. We ain't acting up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but he, what it's showing is, like, if this is the standard that God says is right, how quickly would every one of us be like, I can't do that. I can't do that to my child. I know my child is bad. I know everything that they're saying. Rebellious, disobedient. He's, he's 45 and still living at home and won't get a job and is drinking and all. And, and God says, and if this was still the rule, you'd be like, but that's my baby. And, 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 and instead of taking God's rule... And just surrendering to it, you'd say, no, I'm going to. That's not good. That has no value to me. Now, imagine if God felt that way about his son. Just imagine. You need a savior and God's like, but that's my baby. You see this? Or imagine the faith of Abraham when, when God tells Abraham to take Isaac and sacrifice him. And, and Abraham doesn't go into action. Because that's my baby. That's, this is what you're saying when you say that. That's my idol. You see that? So I just want you, I, I want you to think about that. This, you never see this in the Bible lived out. I've read, I've searched for it. It's not lived out. And I would imagine, I mean, I would act, we, we were just at my mama's house yesterday. All them stories she shared, you wouldn't have heard none of them if this was a standard, right? <laughs> so, but I just want you to see like, it, that disobedient to parents is not just for your kids, right? And when you look at what honor looks like, it's a completely different thing. But I, I just want to wake you up here. I want to wake you up that I'm going to catch everybody at some point. All right, finishing up. Go, uh, keep going. Uh, without understanding, untr untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. These are the uns. So this is no understanding, no trust. So you make an agreement, you break it. You're not loving in a, in a family way, and you're unmerciful. Um, it, it just, all of those right there are the symptoms of sickness. So, so if any of those caught you at any time, then you have the same sickness of the homosexual. 
You see how quickly Paul gets everybody in the room? And now you can't point to one person without pointing to yourself and saying, I have the same sickness that needs the same solution, and his name is Jesus Christ? That's what this is about. That's what this is about. And so we go on, and um, the society shows the conclusion of abandoning God. So now we're coming to the conclusion. We're finishing up. He's going to conclude it right here. This is the, this is the conclusion of what it looks like to abandon God. This, the society shows it. America shows it greatly. Keep going. It says, and although they know the ordinance or the requirements of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. And that's our society today. That's America today. We not only know what's right from wrong, but we do the things and then we, we, we praise those who do them as well. We approve of those who do them as well. Give my next slide. In Romans 2.14, look, the Gentiles who do not have the law. So some people say, well, what about those who don't have the Bible? The Gentiles or the pagans or whoever who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law. These not having the law are a law to themselves. And look at what the result of that is. In, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts. So their conscience is very witness and their thoughts alternately accuse or else defend them. So you may not know the Bible inside out, but you know right from wrong. You know right from wrong. And as a result... Because you know right from wrong and you show it because you do things that are right as well. So when you do things that are wrong, you accuse yourself. People are like, well, what if I don't know all about it? Well, you know right from, you know murder's wrong. You ain't got to read the Bible to know that. You know cheating on your girl is wrong. You ain't got to read the Bible to do that. And, and since you know that and you, and you don't murder people, well then when you lie, cheat, steal, you are accusing yourself. It's you. You actually become a law to yourself. You know what's right and you do right. So when you do wrong, you can't say, well, I didn't know the Bible. Yeah, you knew enough. <laughs> and that's what Paul's trying to explain. Nobody is without excuse. All right, I'm, all right, I'm closing up. Let's go. All right, and so um, once again, although they know what's right and what's wrong of God, not from a Bible revelation, because he's not talking to, he's not, he hasn't gotten to the Jew part of this yet, but he's talking about just your natural knowing of right from wrong. I just live in a world I know I cannot take your life. That's wrong. I don't have to read the Bible for that. So I don't take your life without reading the Bible. There's a lot of non-Christians who've never opened up the Bible who do a lot of right. But when they do wrong, they cannot use the excuse, I didn't know the Bible. That's what Paul's bringing. That's, this is what he's saying. But they not only do the same, they, they also give hearty approval. Keep going. What's my next slide? So uh, in Isaiah 520, look, this is what giving approval does. He says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute, exchange darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. He goes on. He says, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Keep going. He says, Woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine and valiant men in, in mi mixing strong drink. Those people who be like, I'll drink you under the table. That's wrong. <laughs> that is wrong. You should not be bragging about how you can drink somebody under the table. Woe to those who are, uh, oh, keep going, keep going. All right, and then who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. Like he's basically saying, anybody who's exchanging what's right by my standards for your own standards, woe to you. Woe. Bad things to you like this, this. And this is what we do. We get in our feelings and, and it's like, you know, I know the Bible says this, but they, they're, they're happy. So who cares? 
Like, this is all Bible. And so approving any sin is also sin. All right? So if you're in here and you're like, well, I haven't done any of those things you talked about, but you've approved any of those things, you've been in favor of any of those things, that's sin too. That's what he's saying. Like, to approve sin is to commit sin. That's simple. Keep going. So for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, guess what? You've become guilty of all of it. Exactly. Exactly. Whoa, right? For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. In other words, any symptom that you have, you're showing that you have the same sickness. And that's why I took a little bit extra time, because I need you to understand that before we leave this the rest, you know, we're closing this series out. I need you to understand this was not about any one particular sin. All right? And so, next slide. You may not be guilty of all of the sins or all the symptoms, but you are not innocent of all the symptoms either. Okay? So you are guilty and worthy of God's wrath. When we opened up this, this section of Scripture, all we were trying to explain was that the wrath of God is being revealed against everybody in this room. You may not be guilty of all of them, but you're guilty of at least one. So you are worthy of the wrath of God. And the only solution is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. And are you going to go? Oh, there you go. Okay. And then, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I want you to sit down and just reflect on this one, um, on this entire series. I want you to be honest with yourself about, um, about what part of your life uh, has been plagued or exchanged uh, for the filth of sin. See, those symptoms make you dirty. All of those symptoms, just, just yeah, return the lights out. We really want you to reflect here. Those symptoms make you dirty, you are filthy. You are living with symptoms that will send you to hell. So our first rock response is, I want you to identify what those symptoms are. Maybe it was some that we, we, we explained today in the scriptures, but there's, that list was only 21. There's so many more, right? And, and like we said, you don't have to read the Bible to know right from wrong in so many areas. What symptoms are you living with, actually practicing, actually becoming better at? Identify those right now. And as you bow your head, rock response number two, as you bow your head in prayer and just reflect on what Tyler's singing, that symptom is a result of spiritual filth. Ask yourself, do you really want to be made clean? See, some of us, we're okay with the filth because we've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. God says that filth will lead you to hell. You're like, but it feels so good right now. So you're just laying down in it. I want, you to take, I want you to take back the truth of God. I want you to exchange your lies instead. But you'll only do that if you really want to be made clean. And if so, rock response number three right here. Will you surrender your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and be made clean today? That's what this is about. There's nobody in this room who does not fit in Romans 1, 18 through 32. So everybody in this room 
needs to surrender their life to Jesus Christ so that they can be made clean. Because you, you by yourself, you've exchanged everything that God has told you for your own truths and your own, your own idols. And you've made yourself so filthy, filthy, but no matter how far you are, no matter how dirty you feel right now, right this moment, Jesus still wants you. He died for you so that he could make you clean. So let's reflect on that before we leave.
This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock, building his body, breaking our barriers. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.